0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning edition of all of our shows. Uh, I will be here for a really long time today. So (laughs) buckle your seatbelts, kiddos, because you're getting a full dose of Mike Blewett. And I'm happy to welcome back after a couple of weeks off. Joe Galina, you had a graduation. Congratulations (laughs) to your daughter from graduating from St. John's. You had a big birthday last week, so uh, celebrations out of the way and back in the hot seat. (laughs) Exactly. Happy to be back. Uh, Actually, miss being on the air, and
2: uh, I want to thank you uh, for the uh, nice wishes. So we were driving to the graduation. My daughter Nicole graduated two weeks ago. Yeah, Uh, and uh, that's that's fine. Uh, And you know, she's twenty one and I, I was listening to uh, the broadcast and she was like, Do we have to listen to this? Do we ha-? I said, Are you twenty-one or eleven? And then when she heard <laughs> then when she heard the shout out that you gave her she was very pleased. So thanks well, a lot to good. that. Thanks for everyone no problem. For pitching in. Cam Stewart last week filled in for me and George. So glad to be back though.
1: Yeah. So It is a big day, a big weekend in the world of sports, as it always is. But um, we'll cover a lot of different things today um, on this show. And then when Cam comes on in a few hours, uh, we'll talk some more. Um, We have the NBA Finals is uh, upon us. Uh, A little bit of a surprising uh, win for the Raptors in game one. Uh, You know, the fact that they have home court, I think, helps them a lot. They had uh, far less time than did the Warriors to rest. But I think that home crowd, really one of the better home crowds in the NBA, helped energize them. And Pascal Siakam obviously played a great game, so they're off to a one nothing lead. It does not change my opinion much. I really thought that the Warriors would take this series with or without KD in six games. I really was shading five to start the series. But the fact that the Raptors did have home court could start out in Toronto with a couple of games, and the fact that KD isn't there does make me think that the Warriors are going to work a little bit harder for it. Doesn't guarantee that the Warriors are going to win, certainly. Uh, I've thought the Warriors are going to win all of these finals for the last few years, and they didn't win the one against the Cavs. So uh, I think they really do have their river cut out from good depth on Toronto and Kawhi Leonard. I think it's funny because he missed almost all of last year, Joe. Mm -hmm. but there was some sense, I think even up until the playoffs, from people that were casual fans. They're like, oh, Kawhi's back, huh? It's like, yeah, Kawhi's one of the best three players in the whole league. So, yes, Giannis is one of the top five players too, but I'm taking Kawhi over Giannis. I'm taking Kawhi over, now. the Warriors is tough because you have KD, a healthy KD, uh, and Steph there, so you'd really have some decisions to make. I think people probably shade towards KD, maybe just being such an offensive force that you'd take him over Kawhi, but I could hear the argument the other way, especially since um, you know KD's dealing with yet another injury now. But yeah. that game's not until tomorrow night. Uh, we'll tee that up whenever we can throughout the day, but um, I do expect it to be a really entertaining series, especially now that the Raptors are up one nothing.
2: Yeah, and actually I'm looking at it. I think the Raptors actually favored tomorrow night. At they the might Yeah, they were favored uh, Thursday uh, too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if it, you you follow basketball closer than I do, but if the Raptors win game 2, uh, then do you start getting a little bit nervous or you just you chalk yeah. it up to uh, you know, the home no. field advantage and here come the Warriors, you, get, you
1: know, back? You and- get really nervous because mm-hmm. the percentages of teams that are um, the percentages of the teams that are down 0-2 in playoff series period, especially in the finals, is very low. Mm-hmm. Uh you start to get into rare territory when somebody comes back down from two. Oh, because you think you start doing the math, they got to go four of the next five games mm-hmm. to try to take the series. That becomes extremely difficult. Uh so, so if you know, had I, a bet tomorrow
2: th- nice game, who do you take?
1: And like I said, you follow a little closer. kd isn't 90. playing. Right. KD isn't playing, but I, I do think the Warriors come back. What what the yeah. Raptors were able to do on Thursday night, which was unique, and it would, it should never really surprise people when the Warriors get down in the first half. We saw Portland in three different games have double digit leads, and the Warriors just turn it up a notch in the third quarter and third period, whatever you want to call it, and just annihilate teams, which they did to Portland multiple times. I I said during that series, Portland just has to stop doing this to themselves. They're fighting back. They're fighting. They're getting huge leads and just getting annihilated in the third period. And uh, the Warriors took that series overall pretty easily, even though each game was individually relatively hard fought. The Raptors, the Warriors came back in the third quarter the other night, but... They were not able to take the lead with any significance, and by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, the Raptors were working with a lead again, and I think that's what helped them. Uh, right. Pascal Siakam was out of his mind; he was the player yeah. of the game. Steph has thirty points every night, and nobody even says anything about it anymore. But um, Kawhi, what's I guess what was really encouraging about the Raptors was that so Siakam. At times, and especially in Game 7 against Philly, he was just kind of disappeared. And he's a really talented player, and he's had an overall of very good playoffs. But there were moments in the Philly series where he didn't assert himself. And in Game 7 of that, everybody just got out of the way and let Kawhi go to work. And Kawhi mm-hmm. didn't have a very efficient game, but he had a big game because he obviously had the game-winning shot. He had 40 points and everything else, even though he missed a ton of shots. So it was encouraging to see Siakam establish himself and be aggressive, and he had probably the game of his life. So I look forward to that tomorrow uh, night. That's 8 o'clock tomorrow night, so looking forward to that. And that's big news, uh, clearly. We'll get into spreads and money lines and all that kind of stuff. We can do that throughout the show. but another big, and I, I'm, I, I've never talked to you about this before, so I may get a big fat no, but <laughs> I am also an international soccer fan. So I follow the Premier League. I don't get to watch it as much as I, I used to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just the nature of when those games are on. The big majority of those games are on Saturday and Sunday mornings, and as you can imagine, I'm here doing this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so i mm -hmm. can't really follow the games as much when i get off air it's baseball practice and soccer practice and, and all that kind of stuff so the saturday and sunday mornings which i used to reserve for premier league i just can't really watch it anymore but really the biggest sporting event of the year each year is today and it may not be in america but it is the champions league final And it is taking place in Madrid. I know a couple of people that are actually in Madrid Hmm. attending this game. And Mm -hmm. it is the Tottenham Hotspur against uh, Liverpool Reds. Uh, Both English teams playing in Madrid. That's a rarity in and of itself is that there's two English teams in the final. But it's a huge day for soccer fans. And I, for one, am looking forward to as we get off the air. It's at 3 o'clock, so we'll get off air uh, I'll have to chase the Rugrats around for a little bit, but <laughs> I'll, I'll have to throw that one on and probably in this instance have to record it uh, mm-hmm. so I can watch it later. But that is really a tremendous event. Most years I've seen it go to penalty kicks when my team, Chelsea, lost in penalty kicks, and I've seen it go to uh, PK's uh, other times, certainly extra time. The greatest soccer match I ever I ever saw in my life was in 2005, I believe. I have the year right. Forgive me if I don't, but I think it's 2005. Yes, it is. And Liverpool was down 3-0 at the end of the first half to AC Milan, and everybody thought it was over in the Champions League final. And they came back, and they won, and it was the most exciting soccer match, one of the most exciting sporting events I've ever watched in my life. So (laughs) hopefully we get a a, uh, redux of that today with Liverpool and Tottenham. So – I don't know if you follow it at all. I don't know if you watch it, but I'm in and I'll be watching. I don't,
2: but uh, I watch the World Cup, <laughs> you know, every four years. Uh, I really enjoy that. And it's a good sport. Like, there are two major world sports that I feel that I could really, you know, shift my focus to and kind of learn more about. And one of them, our producer, Sean Engel could help me out on is NASCAR. NASCAR is super yeah. popular. And, and yeah. like you mentioned, soccer uh, or football, F-U-T, Yep. B O B F right is the uh, yeah. is, is yeah, probably one of the more well. popular right right. Uh, in England, England they more. just
1: spell it the regular way. Football. <laughs> right 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 right. So, but uh, the, this Premier football.
2: League, this Premier League includes uh, all of Europe, because you mentioned A C Milan versus Liverpool.
1: No, Premier no? Okay. League, mm-hmm. Premier League is England, mm-hmm. in which it, the top league in England, in which Tottenham and Liverpool play. Okay. The Champions League final. Is an aggregate of all the teams that finish top in their league. So Mm -hmm. you have the top flight French teams in Mm -hmm. League One. You have the the top four, sometimes more, but some the top four in Premier League, which is England. Then you have Syria A, several teams from there. That's Italy's top uh, league, and then you have Spain's La Liga. And it's all good. All of the team. uh, There's the Dutch League, uh, German Bundesliga, which is German soccer. So you have all the top teams from all of those leagues playing against one another. I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I think it's 32 teams to start. But basically they play in, much like the World Cup, it's bracketed. So you have these group stages, and then you advance from the group stages, and then it's round of 16, and then eight, and then four, and then here we are. And the way the Champions League plays out is it's during the regular season. So it's, it's it's the thing that I think people understand the least about how taxing international soccer seasons are, because... Let's just take Premier League, for example. There's 20 teams in that league. They all, it's a fully balanced schedule, so you play the other 19 teams twice. That's mm-hmm. 38 games. Right. And infused into that for the better teams is this tournament, Champions League. Some play in Europa, which is a, a lower-level tournament than Champions League, but still very good teams. And they're playing this big international tournament infused with their league's season. So it's taxing on the players, and they can't Mm -hmm. play every game for obvious reasons. You can't be playing, you know, 60 matches (laughs) in a a season. It's just too taxing on people. So you have to keep top players out of certain matches, which have a lot riding on it. It's why depth Mm -hmm. becomes a really important part of this. But uh, in any event... That And the Champions League is set up so that until today, you play your opponent twice. So it, it creates an aggregate score and reduces the chance of, you know, one bad day. You have another mm-hmm. day to try to – you each have a home game. It's the way it works. There's tiebreakers right, right. that are infused into it. But anyway, that's at 3 o'clock Eastern today. So Interesting. Tonight, In maybe Madrid, I'll turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be – look, if the match is close, you'll see why – People like myself and others have gotten into soccer over the years. You watch the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, enjoy it. You can imagine a similar atmosphere, but Mm -hmm. I will say the World Cup is a great, fun tournament to watch. However, Mm -hmm. this tournament, the Champions League, is the best football, soccer played Mm -hmm. in the world. Because it's the best teams and the best players you can I am so impressed as, with the athletes, the, the soccer athletes. Yeah. Just
2: thinking, of, I mean, just watching them, uh, you know, run across that entire field, and uh, you know. And but the thing that's interesting to me is like you know at the end of the game, and is it like this in the in the Premier League? At the end of the ninety minutes, that the referee decides you know how many more minutes to tack on yes. due to okay, yeah, which yeah. is you know it's because you never really All know when it's over. Sometimes they'll add that's two, right. four minutes, or whatnot. Do you follow yes. uh, New York City FC? the New York city um, Football club that league? I follow
1: M- I follow MLS from a distance, I would okay. say. Uh, okay. So I don't have a team. I don't uh, have mm-hmm. a team in MLS. I used to know people that worked for red bulls. So I, I, I went to games there and that's mm-hmm. a fun experience. I haven't been to an NYCFC match there, although I know the the PA announcer that does those games. Uh, so I, I should probably get up there, and take my son Owen up there at some point because he plays a little bit of soccer right now. Is at his practice yeah, yesterday. Great. My daughter is off to soccer practice in about an hour, but uh, calling her practice is is a little much. She's only three, <laughs> so it's just them getting some exercise and kicking Scrimmage, ball we'll call it a scrimmage, right? <laughs> yeah. So. So that's sort of what's on my mind today. And we'll talk plenty of baseball and football as well. Uh, I think those two, if I'm, you know, if I'm ranking what globally is being talked about today, it's clearly the NBA Finals and big time, maybe not in America, but I I was happy to talk about it for a few minutes, (laughs) is Champions Mm -hmm. League. And you got Mo Salah. But you got me interested. Are are the big fans. Right. And and Mm -hmm. like I said, you don't have to be locked in to every second of it. Mhm. But I'm just telling you, the atmosphere will be crazy. If you have a tight match there. Now, I don't know that I'd want to be in that stadium, to be honest. Because <laughs> those fans get after one another. And I don't want to be, I don't necessarily want to be around it. But it would be exciting. You know, if I had fancy tickets up in a box, maybe i would be there. But we'll come back. We'll talk some baseball. It's a home run frenzy. The most home runs ever in a month. We'll talk about it after this. Yeah, yeah. We are back on okay. the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hit us up on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blue at BLEWITT. And Joe Galena is at Joe Galena, G A L L I N A. So uh, we were just talking during the break. Uh, we have a new addition to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. He starts on Monday. His name's Craig Mish. Uh, some of you out there may be very familiar with his work, he's very dialed in on fantasy sports, on Major mm-hmm. League Baseball in particular. He yep. is, I would i would declare him a Miami Marlins insider. I think he's Absolutely. very dialed in on that team. And he will be broadcasting starting Monday afternoon, uh, 12 to 2 Eastern. So we're happy to have him here. I've met Craig before. Very nice guy and extremely knowledgeable in terms of baseball and football and I think you'll be excited to listen to him if you haven't listened to him yet. If you are already a fan of his, then welcome to the party. He's going to be here, and we'll be doing, I'm sure, some guest spots and some shows together and and all that kind of stuff. We we try to mix and match as often as we can, and I'm sure as we get closer to uh, football season, uh, that will happen with regularity. But so here we are, Joe, two months into the season. uh, We're getting a you know, a pretty good picture of where we're at. Things are bound to change and players will get healthy and hurt and and all the rest. But the big mark was that more home runs were hit in the month of May, which ended last night with Vladdy Guerrero juniors mm. shot in the eighth inning on uh, at Colorado. He set the record with 1,120 homers in the month of May. The previous mark was set in August of 2017, which also leads me to believe that maybe that was a little bit of a warmer month. Keep in mind, we're only in May. We haven't hit the summer where balls tend to fly out of the park a little bit more. So uh, if I had to put money on it right now, I would imagine we'll beat that record later this year. I think it's entirely possible. The rate at which we're hitting home runs – Uh, Granted, there's many variables that go into it, but as we get into the warmer months and everybody working with launch angle now, uh, we may, may very well beat this very record later this year.
2: Yeah, I think the the number was uh, one thousand one hundred twenty home runs hit. Uh, that that broke the record, uh, uh, you know, for the month of May. And uh, nice to see Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Uh, has been has been coming on uh, six home runs now on the season. And uh, so I mean, like, like you mentioned, I mean, you know, with the uh, advanced. Uh, analytics that uh, everyone has. You know, it's, it's a different game. You know, for, for a while, you know, in the uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa era, you know, you were hitting tons of home runs. Uh, you know, we know why. And then after that, you know, the pitchers had the upper hand and now it's it's back to, uh, you know, a live ball era. Uh, partly like we mentioned, like I just mentioned a couple seconds ago, the advanced analytics where uh, coaches know exactly how to, you know, uh, have a hitter, you know, utilize that, that launch angle. And uh, in addition, look, we have a live ball. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we, we saw that uh, once uh, the, uh, there was a triple A league that started using the same ball that major leaguers were using. And all of a sudden their home run rates uh, skyrocketed. So, uh, but at the same time, Mike, yeah, we're hitting lots, lots more home runs. I, I'm you know what else I'm seeing? Cause you know, I watch a lot of highlights. You can't watch every single game, Mike, but you know, we watch highlights and all we see are home runs that we see a lot of uh, bench clearing brawls too, because uh, pitchers are forced to pitch high and tight to try to, you know, combat this this whole thing so yeah, I, you know I, I did a little personal study uh and, and back in 2015 the per game rate of hit by pitches was 0.33 so far this season it's 0.42 so uh so you're gonna, yeah you're gonna be seeing the pitchers. What, what else could pitchers do right i mean yeah that, <laughs> has to be some kind no, of response I, here
1: I, yeah so by the way to clarify vlad guerrero jr Hit the 1,120th homer in May. Hitters needed to hit 25 home runs yesterday to break the record, and they mm-hmm. hit 40. So the final (laughs) total is 1,135, not the 1,120. That's the new record. Right, right. That's right. The 1,135 is the new record. 1120 broke Mm -hmm. the record. So Mm -hmm. um, there was a homer every 25 at-bats in May. That's the highest in a month in MLB history. Uh, Mm -hmm. Josh Bell, Alex Bregman, Derek Dietrich led the way with 12 home runs each in May. Bell's dozen this month are as many as he had all of last season and with 17 on the year Dietrich has already surpassed his best season tally in his 7th year in the big leagues i believe Josh Bell uh, i believe i read the stat he had 23 extra base hits in the month of may he has which just been is just the fire. most yeah. <laughs> which is the yeah. most since in a in a month since 1928 i believe um mm-hmm. now i don't know if that's for a pirate or for any major league player i have to look that up but i did see that Uh, somewhere. Three teams hit at least 50 home runs in May. The Minnesota Twins, the Chicago Cubs, and Boston Red Sox Twins with 56, the other two with 51. So it's the first time in MLB history that three teams have reached that mark in the same month. Uh, The Twins fell only too shy of matching the record of 58 homers in a month shared by the 87 Orioles and 99 Mariners, which had I would imagine some extenuating circumstances going on in terms (laughs) of their ability to hit home runs with artificial (laughs) and enhancements so sure, i'll pass sure. it to you joe now i was just going to mention
2: and uh, fantastic stats and all this stuff and you have uh aaron judge on the dl for the entire month jean carlos stanton on the DL for the entire month chris davis missing uh, probably half the month he's, he's currently on the uh on the il so the three guys that are just automatic 40 home run guys uh, are on the sidelines of this,
1: this stuff is still happening. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely. amazing. <laughs> and we, we lost Springer and Correa at the end of the month as well. Uh, yeah. Springer certainly in the discussion for MVP conversation in the American League. So, uh, um, you know, just to keep going on this one, 22, 2,279 homers uh, by the end of the day yesterday on pace for 6,510 homers which would beat the single-season record of 6,105 homers. It would beat it by 400 home runs if we continue at this pace. Um, It's well above the average, the 2.2 average home runs per game set in 2017. We're currently at 2.68 last set. Of all the runs scored this season, 44.5% have come via homer, far more than the record of 42.3% in 2017. That's all Elias Sports Bureau Mm -hmm. research, uh, courtesy of ESPN. So a lot of numbers flying around there. Uh, But I think the big difference, too, is something that you mentioned, Joe, is that it isn't that there are – a smaller percentage of guys that are hitting 40 and 50 home runs. It's that everybody is hitting 20 home runs. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's really the big difference in the last few years. Great point, because when I was collecting baseball cards back when I was a
2: kid, if a guy hit 20 home runs, you know, he wasn't exactly like a, a tremendous power hitter, but he was considered he was a, a power, power hitter. hitter. Yeah, yes. you know? So so now, I'm I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm kind of getting a little depressed because I'm on fan graphs, and, you know, I sorted for home runs, and a guy that I... I Dropped a little too early. Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks has 14 home runs. Now I, yep. you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, at the beginning of the season that he'd hit high teens, uh, you know, low 20s. But to have 14 home runs, uh, you know, a third into the season, that's. He, that's like on a pace to hit forty home runs for an, yeah. an Eduardo Escobar. Uh, so you know you're getting these guys. You know, and you mentioned Dietrich too. Dietrich is going out of his mind this season, right, uh, for the Reds. So uh, yeah. it's it's not the the, the the Stantons, not just the Stantons anymore. Uh, those type of players, but uh, everybody and your mother is hitting home
1: runs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty uh, crazy how we've seen this. It's no surprise. In the trend, but it is eye-opening to read all of those stats and how. Mm-hmm. Again, we're only in May. Uh, now, who knows? Maybe we come back to Earth. Maybe that juice, those juice balls, start to make their way out of the pitcher's hands. But mm-hmm. you're not of the. You're not a conspiracy theorist to the point where you think that MLB is trying to juice this to create this scenario. Are you? Mm-hmm.
2: It wouldn't uh, surprise me if they did. I mean, look, Major League Baseball isn't is in a bit of trouble, right? Uh, they keep on talking about uh, attendance figures at ballparks uh, consistently dropping. You know, this new. A uh, crop of of, of kids, uh, they need immediate gratification, and uh, you know they like to see high scoring games. That's what basketball is so popular. You know, all the action of football is making that so much popular. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if this was an attempt uh, by the big wigs in uh, Park Avenue offices of MLB to try to just make you know the game a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fireworks uh, yeah. uh, flying there. But That's I would also thing.
1: say, though, I, I do think it is a cheap out for any of us, and certainly a baseball, to blame it on the younger generation. Because even for you and I, Joe, yeah, it isn't quite the sport that we grew up watching. And it isn't right. as fun at times. Right. Uh, now, I, you and I talked about this probably over a month ago about how I I do not harp on it as internally because i do want to be a baseball fan and i still am and i talk oh, about yeah, it on air me too I, but i'm a mm-hmm. genuine baseball fan i have been my whole life so mm-hmm. uh, and i don't want to get to the point where i'm cynical about the sport that i've loved for decades same with football frankly and you can say the same with basketball basketball has evolved tremendously as baseball is evolving By the way, it was probably the slowest evolving sport. It just, you know, we found our way to this point where analytics have taken over. It's not like people never used analytics, but clearly things have changed, right? We've got power pitching and power hitting, and and wins don't really matter in terms of individual players. We're just trying to get wins up on the scoreboard, which, frankly— as a general manager's approach, that is the right approach. They don't owe anything to anybody except more W's in the win column. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all they owe to people. It's, uh, to do a broader discussion, Greg Popovich, the coach of the Spurs, has talked openly in the past saying, I don't really owe anything to anybody as far as making sure that my stars are on the floor when I show up in your city. I owe it to the Spurs to win a title. So this is the same kind of theory. They don't owe it to people to have Chris Sale throw nine innings every time he goes out there. Maybe it's a bad example, but whomever it is. they, They don't owe it to anybody. They owe it to the team and to the owner to get the starting pitcher in and out of there as effectively as possible, throwing six innings patching it together with three perfect innings from the bullpen and another win on the board. That's really the name of the game. And the, the amount of strikeouts stinks and the, uh, the lack of finesse that it's in today's current game is uh, you become wistful for it, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that. The sport altogether has fallen apart. But I do think it's a cheap out for baseball to be like, ah, these young kids, they need immediate gratification. It's like, well, the games don't have to be three hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention because you know, I just pulled up uh, the stats
2: on the average uh, time per game. So I'm looking at uh, in 1980 the average length of a baseball game was two hours and 38 minutes. Uh, yeah, 1990 it went up to two hours and 51 minutes, and then uh, today it's uh, three hours and six minutes. So uh, maybe uh, you know you have a point where you know we shouldn't blame t- today's youth, but at the same time, if you want to watch a full baseball game, you better you know block out a whole chunk of your time to sit in front of that uh you know that that tv or on your phone now and, and whatever uh, you, you carry on your ipad and whatnot but yeah. uh, you really have to invest some time to,
1: to watch a full baseball game and you know it's, i went to, to the your... yankee game the other night i wasn't there for the full game it rained right, so right, right. It, it put us in a bad spot but right. um that is a that's the biggest part of it and yeah. you know what if the games are 2 hours and 38 minutes still would the younger generation be into it? Probably not. But to ask people to sit through 3 hours a night mm-hmm. isn't possible. Nobody does right. that. I have one really good friend. He's a he's a huge Yankees fan. He he probably sits in for 160 games a year. Like right. he's in. He's totally dedicated and he loves it. And I can appreciate that about him. Right. Mm-hmm. But to expect everybody to do that is insane. And right. we, we're seeing they're trying all these changes, but at the end of the day, nothing has consistently working to speed up the game. Whether it's whether we have to go pitch clock or whatever, they don't enforce the pitch clock. I think it's the easiest thing they could have done and mm-hmm. I still don't know. If that would have solved all any of these issues, or at least some of them, I, I do think it would have an impact, though. If they if they were specific to yeah, the pitch clock, I think it would. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what? Even
2: just advertisement uh, now, you know, er, everything is uh, has a sponsor. You know, this call to the bullpen is brought to you by uh, X Y Z company, and and you know, uh, if uh, if a, a broadcaster is uh, mentioning a stat exactly right where's off check uh angle seriously (laughs) Seriously, you work on that Sean give me a deal but is that what you in your opinion and uh, I'll I'll throw it at you do you think that that's the big thing is is it the time or just like the nature of the game because you even mentioned that uh, a couple minutes ago the analytics uh in my opinion the analytics are great but they've really slowed the game down with so many uh maneuvers and I know that they've Kept them in check now. There's only so many visits to the mound that you can make and all that. But that that's also yeah. slowed down the game a little bit.
1: But, like, I was at the game the other night, and there was two pitching mm-hmm. changes in the, in the same inning. So the Padres yeah, yeah. used three pitchers in one inning, and that right. slows things down. And they were mm-hmm. doing it because the rain was coming, and, you know, there was a little bit of gamesmanship there. But... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think. Look, they have the clock in between innings that they are adhering to. You see it right. in the game in the stadium. Yes, yeah. When I was there, minutes. I was watching. Yeah, mm-hmm. you count it down two minutes. You could tell mm-hmm. the commercial breaks are shorter, and in fact, TV is working around that in various sports where they're doing the commercial, or they put the window pane over yes. the game as they are playing commercials. We've seen this a lot. Football does it now too. Uh, mm-hmm. where they're which is smart, like you don't have to go away from the action and create a three and a half minute TV timeout when it isn't necessary, just stay right. there, play the commercial over it. Somebody's gonna go take a break, get a drink, go to the bathroom, so be it. Like it's just part of the deal. People were mm-hmm. people did this previously, you know, uh, right. during um, during broadcasts, but. I think pitch clock is the easiest way to do it. Uh, There's uh, clearly other ways that you can tackle it, but it is a combination of the game taking over three hours and the lack of action in the games. That is obviously going to turn some people off. Mm -hmm. There's less happening now, Joe. There's more strikeouts than hits. As much as we talk about this power surge, and we'll talk about Josh (laughs) Bell after the break, as much as we talk about the power surge, there is less happening. There's more home runs, but there's less hits in in comparison to strikeouts. Right, right.
2: Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, I was looking, and I think I've spoken to you about this, where if you look at the stats from players back in the day, you know, Reggie Jackson was looked at as a a high strikeout guy. I think his strikeout total was, uh, like, his rate was 22%. Nowadays, if you're uh, striking out at a rate of 30%, as long as you're hitting between 30 and 40 home runs, God bless you. You're in the lineup every day. (laughs) Yeah, agreed.
1: So um, we'll get to Josh Bell stats after the break. Maybe get a sense of who you think is maybe in the lead for some of these awards at the two-month mark. Bellinger sounds pretty good to me for an MVP, but we'll come back. Yeah. yeah, we'll come back and we'll talk about it right after the break. talking about baseball home runs uh i would note that they set the home run month record for may and they also set the home run month record for april so right now the 2019 season has the most home runs ever in april and the most home runs ever in may and obviously now the most home runs combined through may so uh, that's where we're at right now um way in front of the pace so let's talk about a specific player and talk about the games from yesterday so josh bell finished off his historic may with two more hits last night giving him 94 total bases in in may the that's crazy it's the most by any player in may since willie mays had 102 in 1958 joe Yeah, what
2: Josh Bell has done is pretty amazing. You know, I, I remember writing an article for the Roto Experts a couple of years ago, uh, expecting him to be a you know breakout star. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was wrong <laughs> because the year that I wrote it, he hit 12 home runs. So, but all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, he's adjusted that launch angle, uh, the exit velocity's up. If you, you go to Statcast, he's, you could compare uh, previous year's uh, totals, and yeah, he definitely has changed his game and he's finally developing, you know, he's having his breakout season and what he's done, and, and he, he's been doing it now for several weeks. So it's not just, uh, you know, just a one-shot deal. I think he's finally coming to his own. So, uh, you know, and, and with the when you look at the uh, first base position, tough position to fill. Uh, and in a league that we're in together, you know, I took a chance on Jesus Aguiar for the Brewers. He's killed me all season long. I mean, there really aren't that many first basemen playing up to par. I mean, Votto is, is – Looks like he's done right now. So uh, the fact yeah. that Bell has had his breakout, big help for uh, plenty of
1: fantasy teams. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you got him at value, too. There's a bunch of guys that you got at value yes. this year that are helping teams. Dietrich, he mentioned uh, in the previous segment. Um, and to give, just to put some context in it, Giancarlo Stanton had 98 total bases in August of 2017. I think we all remember that. He absolutely carried my fantasy team that year. I won my league, and it was Mm -hmm. because Stanton was on such fire for that month of August. He carried the entire team. I had Stanton and Judge on that team. Remember, it was a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago, and Judge was just a rookie. Um, (laughs) And then Judge (laughs) took over in September, so that was like a, a really big um, two-month swing for me where I had Stanton. And, remember two years ago, Aaron Judge had that crazy September where he's hitting yes. tons of home runs. So I had Stanton and Judge in sort of back-to-back months. I think they must have hit a combined, like, 50 home runs. It was pretty crazy. But um, uh, I know, slight exaggeration. But in any event, that, so that's a recent guy that had a, that many total bases. But Josh Bell's 94 total bases in May is the most by any player in any month in the history of... Of the Pittsburgh Pirates, which are 138 years old. He had 389 in May with 12 homers, two of which ended up in the Allegheny River, making the 26-year-old first baseman the first player to land two in the drink since PNC Park opened in 2001. Pretty crazy. So he also joined Hall of Famers. This is really crazy with the records that he set. He joined Hall of Famers Frank Robinson and Hank Aaron as the only players in National League history to have 12 doubles and 12 home runs in the same month. So when I said he had 23 extra base hits, he turned it into 24 <laughs> last night. Uh, he's hitting 340, and um, he, know, he he's uh, <laughs> excuse me, on fire, as you Bless said. You. And the Pirates get the win, 9-4 to over the
2: Brewers. And you look at, you know, I was looking at his stat cast just now, uh, uh, his... Uh, barrels per plate appearance you know that's one of the new stats that they've introduced over the past three years uh last season 4.8 uh this season 11.4 and uh so yeah this really uh, he's really made uh tremendous
1: strides in the numbers that you you, you're talking about it's just mind-boggling man yeah so chris archer gets his first win since april 7th he threw seven strong last night gave up four runs but Only two walks and five hits, seven Ks. He gave up a couple of homers as well, uh, which have bit him a little bit this year. But Archer back on the winning side of things, carrying a 5.66 ERA. I've always been a big believer in Chris Archer for the last two years. He hasn't been able to put it together. I don't know what your thoughts are on him for the rest of the year. Can he turn things around now with a win here? Who knows? But I don't know if Mm -hmm. you have thoughts about Archer going into the year, where he sits now, uh, and moving forward.
2: I wasn't really high on him uh, at the start of the season. Uh, But, uh, you know, he's always a guy that could get you some strikeouts. Uh, He's walking almost uh, five batters per nine innings, so that's a concern. Yeah, Yeah. and, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I probably – Stuck with him more than I, longer than I should have, you know, fantasy wise, you know, but I've kind of like uh, cut ties with him. I, I really don't have uh, high expectations for him going forward. He's not a guy that I would recommend uh, trading for or buying low. I, I, you know, I really don't have much faith yeah. in him. I don't know about you. <laughs>
1: no, no, I mean, those numbers are concerning. You the walks, yeah. You'd, you'd be yeah. You'd, you'd be taking a flyer, assuming that this win kind of turned things around. But until he gets the walks and a check, yeah.
2: And plus he's sitting, giving up home runs, yeah. like
1: you mentioned. So you have guys yeah. at
2: base and giving up home runs. Yeah, there's just
1: no way to turn that around. If you're, if you're putting <laughs> guys on and giving up homers, th- those are two <laughs> stats which are, are – there's no reason to believe that it'll turn it around. You're just taking <laughs> a stab at it. On the right. flip side of things, Ulysses Chassin got smoked last night. Two and two-thirds, seven earned runs. I was reading earlier this week with Jimmy Nelson sort of on the road back. They don't know. They, there was some thought process as to what they would do. Would there be any shake-up? Uh, In the starting rotation, would Nelson be placed in the bullpen to start, coming back off of the injury? But Euless Chassin is really one of the guys that is at risk of kind of losing a starting role, his ERA ballooning to 5.74 after last night's outing.
2: Yeah, and he's another guy. We talked about uh, Archer with the walks. Uh, He's given up four-and-a-half walks per nine as well. So uh, a a guy that... uh, Your past couple of seasons kept that ERA on the four, uh, but uh, he's definitely in danger of uh, losing his spot. Like you mentioned, 5.74 ERA. Even though you have that uh, tremendous offense
1: behind you, uh, I I think he's on his way out of that rotation. So, what are your thoughts then about Jimmy Nelson? Uh, Where do you feel about him coming back?
2: Uh, Tell you, I. Really
1: haven't looked at his uh, stats, so uh, let's take a look at him now. Um, I mean, he's been progressing, you know, back through Triple A, and yeah. he's expected to join the Brewers. I don't think he's been back yet. Um, so yeah, it's really just a matter of rehab. I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts about, you know, it, it's just tough when it comes to injured players. I think that we're. I've talked pitch about since this 2017. before. Yeah, if you haven't, yeah. if you haven't, if you're fading injured players, you're going to come out on the right side of things. Right. Jimmy Nelson was just such a super uh, fantasy guy there for a, a a little while, and and somebody that people talked about on a regular basis. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I had so many discussions with hosts at the time, and Matt right, right. and George Kurtz and other people I really liked Nelson. That uh, I think it's Tommy John that he's been coming back from, so mm-hmm. uh, working his way back. I'll be honest it. with you. He's a guy yeah. I would
2: take a stab at. I mean, I, I'm yeah. looking, you, you never know uh, what a pitcher will be like after a Tommy John surgery. Some come back and they're just as good. Sometimes even better. Uh, sometimes they come back and it takes them, uh, you know, a season or two to get back to where they were. If they. You know, come back to that their prior level at all. But uh, if he could come back close to what he did back in 2017, where he should excellent control and, and uh, uh, good strikeout potentially, uh, it was a little over 10 strikeouts per nine and uh, 2.5 walks per nine, and kept that ERA just under 3.5. So, uh, you know, look, like I mentioned before, uh, the Brewers have a, one of the best offenses in baseball. So, uh, would I take a chance on Jimmy Nelson if he's available? Uh, on- on the
1: waiver wires, definitely yes. Yeah. So, uh, just talking about some other games last night. Chris Sale takes the loss. He's one in seven on the year, Joe. Pretty amazing. And the Red Sox are three and nine when he pitches two. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like
2: just uh, you know you know he. Had that start where you know there were the concerns about his velocity. Then the velocity came up, and uh, he even took himself to task. I was reading in uh, one of the local New York papers. He, he's saying he's got to be better. So uh gave up a couple of home. Uh, with the, definitely the home run to was it DJ Lemayhu last night?
1: Yes, uh, Lemayhu so, the one homer. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, where, where <laughs> would the Yankees be without Lemayhu? By the way, <laughs> he's the MVP of the team. Yeah. He and Torres are, are carrying mm-hmm. the team through yeah. all these injuries. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Sale is 1-7 and seven on the year. Now, last night, he throws six innings. He gives up four earned runs, mm-hmm. one walk and seven hits, ten strikeouts. It's not a bad outing, objective. Right, right. But they lost the game because mm-hmm. the Yankees pieced it together last night. Jay Happ gives up one run through five. He gets the win. Hold for Adam Atavino, Hold for Tommy Canely. Hold for Zach Britton. And Aroldis Chapman shuts the door. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that is a that is like the ultimate Yankees win last night as they throw four got the, got relief the great formula at you yeah, yeah it's just give us five you in just innings wonder, you just wonder how tired these relievers will get. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, that's uh, what worries uh, me. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, but hopefully, you know, Dylan Patances, uh could come back, uh, you know, within the next month, and then maybe they could rest uh, some you of the expe- relievers.
1: Good expect you have big expectations for him.
2: I don't know if I have. Huge expectations, but I I think that uh, I think he could come back and, and be effective. Uh, I, I am concerned, you know, when, when they first mentioned that it was a shoulder impingement, I mean, I, I've, I've heard other pitchers have shoulder impingements and they haven't been gone this long. <laughs> so yeah. that is that is concerning. But uh, yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, the Yankees are obviously not rushing him back. So maybe when he does come back, uh, you know, he'll be well-rested and able to kind of give us at least maybe 80% of what we expected we get from him in terms of velocity
1: and, and strikeouts and whatnot. But of all a- the Yankee Guys that have gotten hurt. Mm -hmm. Andahar is a zero, obviously. Not Mm -hmm. getting him back. Severino, Stanton, Batonsas. Worried about all three of those guys. I have approaching zero expectations for all three of them the the, the carlos stanton thing as george kurtz <laughs> aptly put it a couple of weeks ago yeah has been like a state secrets thing we can't even get <laughs> real information out of it he just gets shot down with a second injury during the rehab and we don't right. know when he's coming back he had to st- basically stop rehabbing uh severino uh I, who knows I mean I really just don't I think with, with a starting pitcher that's out this long with a shoulder issue would shock me if we don't see him this injury. year I don't think we'll see him mm-hmm. I think they're trying and resting it and don't think he needs surgery mm-hmm. if he if there's a 20 percent chance that he needs surgery, just let him have the surgery-hmm do you know what I mean yeah but maybe they think maybe they think it is not vital for him to have the surgery I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not in the Yankee's head. And, and yeah. I'll have to trust them to me. And he's sense. another guy that
2: had a setback as well, right? Didn't he have a, a, a yes? And a, a setback because uh, yes. he was supposed to be back in, in June. Now they pushed it back to July, and and
1: like you and I just said, uh, who knows if we'll see him at all? And now Batonsis uh, with a shoulder thing again. Mm-hmm. Low expectations, but like, look, what happened to Judge really stinks. But with rest, I think he can come back from that oblique. It it mm-hmm. does keep you out a really long time, but once he's ready to go he has a clearly a very violent swing but once it's healed it should be okay he doesn't need to be out 5 months with it he can be out 2 months and it, it, he should be ready to go um, i'm laughing because and, he he got hurt you know swinging
2: the bat right just doing a normal activity and yeah. by the way uh, the the local new york paper uh, gave him props for actually being on the bench and traveling with the team and whatnot. But I, I chuckled because, you know, Judge got injured swinging a bat and uh, was it Correa who got injured? Uh, uh, who, who, the, who, Which player this week got hurt uh, getting a massage? I miss that. I'll look it up. <laughs> During the break. And then you had uh, other players like getting hurt, sneezing. You know, there's different ways people get hurt. But anyway. Yeah. yeah uh, same but the good news is. had a back
1: injury from a sneeze. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but the good news is, is it seems like a Judge is ahead of schedule. The thing that concerns me is that, you know, when guys like Carlos Beltran, who have had similar type injuries, say, hey, you know, even when he comes back, he might not be 100%. You know, so, but hey, you know, uh, 80% of a guy that could hit you f- between 40 and 50 home runs and give you the type of defense that he gives you in that outfield. Uh, it was Correa, by it, the way, on the massage. It was Correa, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to miss four to six weeks with a broken rib. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see where else it says here. What kind of the, it happened during the massage? Yeah, <laughs> six foot four, 215 wow. pounds. And
2: I'd like to see the size of his masseuse that could break his yeah, ribs, just giving him a massage. Who knows yeah. what was
1: going on there? <laughs> yeah, I, I would, and it was an in home massage, too. Yeah, I just yeah. wonder if uh, the team will shut that kind of activity down. Definitely no I, happy I ending imagine, there. Yeah, I would, <laughs> that's a great point. It's a great point. And I would imagine that. That type of stuff is probably not outside of the realm of his contract. You know how we talk about uh, jo- Joanna uh ranching and breaking his ankle? Uh, <laughs> that they can fight for the money back with an in-home mm-hmm. massage. I would imagine that the, <laughs> the, the, the Ashers would be okay with it. Not that they would do that with their 24-year-old superstar shortstop, but nonetheless. Right. And it's such uh, a shame. We get a chance to t- Yeah, I know. We it, They're losing one of the best players for – a big portion of the season, but I, I think the Strohs will be fine even by the time he comes back. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can figure out what the A's can do, then have at it. But it's pretty amazing that they've been able to sort of storm back when they, they won they won 10 in a row, the A's, and now uh, they've lost three in a row. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. the, the A's have tried to hang in there. But even at present, the Rangers and the A's playing above their heads, they're eight and a half games back Right, of push the push. right now we're only two uh, two months in right now. The twins are at ten and a half game lead. Those Everybody in their division is under 500. Will they mm-hmm. be 20 games over 500 for a long period of time for the rest of the season? Maybe just because that division stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yankees a game and a half lead on Tampa eight and a half out in front of Boston uh, Philly right now. Three games up on the Braves, five games up on the Mets, who are below 500. Uh, That division just did not turn out the way we expected. Right. And the Cubs in Milwaukee fighting tooth and nail. The Dodgers with an eight-and-a-half game lead. Pretty crazy to see two months in we have three divisions with sizable leads and ones that I don't think they'll relinquish. Right. Uh, So we'll come back. We're going to talk some football in the second hour. Some expert drafts, taking a look at the divisions going forward. It's Mike and Joe. We'll be right back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.